Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999, stumbling over a bank counter here in 2021. I'm one of 22. I'm one of your hosts, <laughs> stumbling over my words here in 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Felisco. And with us today is Jahan Bufia. Excuse me, screwed that up. Bufia. Uh, <laughs> Not the first time. <laughs> what a shithead over here. Uh, John is a writer, Vulture, Pace Magazine, W, Film Cred, uh, and I believe a big Rose Byrne fan. Is that how this happened? Yeah. What, and I love what, Heath Ledger, too. Yeah. He, I love the Aussies. Yeah. Uh, I love Brian Brown. So we are... He's great uh, in this. Great in this. The best. Yeah. Uh, I had John, no idea what his name was until I saw this. But I, I think I'd seen him in a few films. But I like, didn't know Cocktail, who he was. Obviously. Cocktail, obviously. I have not seen e- that. It's, it's fine. Fun. It's not good. The, yeah. the, also, the FX series with um, not a series on FX. The FX movies. Yeah, there were two of them. With Brian Dennehy are both really good. Isn't, why am I feeling like he's in something else that I'm drawing a total blank on? Um, my apologies. <laughs> he's like the kind of face that you see in a lot of films, but you don't really know who he is, and you don't really bother to look him up. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. Uh, <laughs> he's he's done a fair amount of Aussie TV as well. It seems. Um, I think everyone in this movie has. I think they all do like the soap operas. 
it, it, it does it does have yeah. that vibe. Yeah. But yeah, they're all club his... comics, like Eric Bana. That, that's, yeah. how, that's how you start in Australia. Then you do a sketch show, and then you yep. start killing yep. people in Spielberg movies. Yeah. Um, Jahan, had you heard of this film before? Like, what brought you to this film? Had you seen it before this podcast? <laughs> no. Okay, no. I saw it on the list, and I had no, I did not know of its existence, but. There was that photo shoot of Rosen Heath in Las Vegas that like always circulates on Twitter and Instagram from like yeah. those like nostalgia accounts. And I love that picture, but I I thought it was just like some random like photo like photo shoot for yeah. some like rising stars yeah. from Australia. I had no idea this movie existed. I love Heath Ledger, but I've seen like five of his movies. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he only did seven. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm kidding. He, but he really I haven't even seen like... The Dark Knight. Which really? is like my biggest blind spot. Those are, I think, the only Nolan films I haven't seen. I just, okay. I think the Batman was my first Batman movie. Wow. I'm not a big DC person. Good for you. I don't know. I just, I didn't grow up with those films. Sure. So, like, I was a child when those came out. Sure. I, so. you know, it's interesting. I also remember and have seen that photo shoot a bunch. It does circulate yeah. on Twitter pretty frequently. Yeah. Because obviously they've both become, um, Became become big st- icons, yeah. um, and and I had a vague recollection of this film. Um, I had never seen it before, but I do remember there was a little bit of a moment when I felt like it got a little bit of buzz around '99, um, and part of it obviously is the fact that they immediately just radiate as movie stars. Like both of them, you're just like these are. These two are so watchable. They also, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they dated around the time of this film as well, if I'm not mistaken. How could and I they feel, not have? Yeah. It, it feels sort of, <laughs> yeah. Um, so there is sort of, like, they definitely have a real chemistry and you can really sense that these two people yeah. have really connected. Um, and it is a really, I mean, that photo shoot, which I posted some photos from it yesterday as I was watching this film. They just, yeah, they're just really, really, charming and watchable and and it's you know Kenny and I were texting a little bit about about the film and uh there's just something about these early movies when you see movie stars before they were movie stars yeah and it it just there's it feels like there's an inevitability to it do you know what i mean like you're just like how could these people not become movie stars but um so you had not heard of this film you had not obviously seen this film prior no. to us um have you i mean in 99, I obviously sent you a list of strange yeah. movies. It was a strange batch of films. Um, but, you know, are there a lot of 99 films that speak to you? Do you, I mean, um, have you seen a fair amount of them? Or is this I think before? so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I wasn't born in 1999. I was born in 2003. So cool, I'm cool, a, cool. a very different generation. Don't over here. This is awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're of like, I think, completely different generations. But Woo! I mean, as someone who watches like a lot of movies, I've obviously had my fair share. I like, you know, Fight Club and all those movies. Sure, sure, I sure. obviously can't think of any at the moment. No, yeah, I've just I mean, gone blank. Your, your Eyes Wide Shuts, your Yeah, I haven't elections. even seen Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, okay. But I do like Election, yeah. And yeah. 10 Things I Hate About You, which is Heat. Sure. That was like... Yes a movie for my childhood. That was like yeah. the one I obsessed over. I don't well, know if you guys like that one. <laughs> we, we we did an episode on it many moons ago. And I remember Kenny and I and our guest at the time, Ashley Lyle, talked about how like that was his real, that was his coming out movie, right? It was like yeah. that American was, Break. Yeah. 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 Well, no, we do 
it was a weird episode. It was. It was a weird episode. We don't love that movie. Be, be, because, well, it's not that we don't love it. It's that like, I it's and I you know no no shade towards Ashley, but mm-hmm. Ashley didn't like it, and she didn't. And she's very smart and very persuasive. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very hard to like ride. Not that I was like going into that movie, yeah. think, get podcasting, like I am going to ride for this movie. This is my movie. But like, if a massive fan of that movie had been sitting in Ashley's seat, I think that yeah. could have pulled Phil and I in a different direction. But she really didn't yeah. feel it, and mostly just wanted to talk about drive me crazy. <laughs> But I, I would also say Which too, she did a couple months does, later. She did come on for that later. But I it, it does speak to what you're talking about about the generational divide a little bit. Yeah. Cause you know, Ashley, myself, and and uh and Kenny are around the same age. And it didn't hit us at the same moment as it did for it feels like your generation to a certain degree. Yeah. Where um we all just kind of looked at it like this just sort of feels like a pale imitation of better teen comedies uh, that had come out earlier. My my daughter, who is closer to your age than my age, uh, (laughs) (laughs) loves... By a lot. (laughs) Loves... 10 things I hate about you. It's in her rotation. It's in her rotation now. uh, It's the feel-good movies. Mean Girls and um, and Clueless. But 10 things I hate about you, because she hasn't she has a cousin who's she's nine. She has a cousin who's thirteen, and they'll just watch things together, unloop. And it's it, yeah. that and Legally Blonde are pretty much you know the ones in the rotation. So I guess it's interesting that uh, that ten things I hate about you. I think for people born this uh, millennium have really kind of has really kind of found its its place as a, as a classic. Yeah. I think it has to do with nostalgia. Like now there's streaming services and like everyone wants like a piece of like the 90s and the early 2000s. It's yeah. like all in the fashion and everyone looks back at that and they're like, we don't have movies like that anymore. It's like some really crappy Netflix movie that fades into existence after two weeks on the charts. So yeah, uh, yeah you make a really good point. I don't want to play a horrible old man, but I'm going to be old and old man right now. <laughs> have you ever seen Demolition Man? No. You should see it. Great flick. Do you, do you know but, of its existence? Have you ever heard of this? I've movie? heard of it, okay. but I don't know anything. So, like, I know the title. I've probably seen people say was, stuff about it. It was Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, and Sandra Bullock. And it was basically like Sandra Bullock had these, like, this, like, three movie just explosion with that and uh, Speed yeah. and uh, While You Were Sleeping. And which happened, well, like, in the course of 18 months. And it takes place in the future. Like in, I think around the 2020s now, 20, right in the 2020s, right? Or maybe early. After the fast food wars. After the fast food wars. <laughs> <laughs> so it takes place in the future. And Sandra Bullock uh, is a cop, a like future cop. And she's obsessed with 90s nostalgia. So she's obsessed with the time period because where these two guys came from, they they kind of time travel via getting frozen in, in liquid. It's amazing. And, and just this is this is the first time I've seen my youth on someone's wall as like nostalgia. Yeah, I know. And I'm looking at this. It, 
it's like there is it's this wild experience being like oh wait uh like i love empire records because i watched it as a child over and over again like the day it came out yep, like, yep, yep. <laughs> i watched it many times and i watched stores. it on like I netflix yeah you, you, you found it, it you found it on netflix as you were yeah, like probably. you know Figuring yeah. out like what what from uh, the nineties is worth keeping and what is no, I mean I love Liv Tyler, and so like I think I went through this phase on like Tumblr where like you know like all those like really popular actresses are just like all over your social media, and I was like I love Liv Tyler. I'm just gonna watch like this movie that her outfit is so everywhere, and like Very I iconic. love this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's such it, a basic it, outfit too. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It is interesting how it does feel like right now we're in a bit of, we're certainly in a nostalgia, a weaponized nostalgia industry. Um, and I think that the the 90s and early 2000s are very much in the kind of ether right now. I mean, even just looking at, I mean, I don't know if you guys are watching The Dropout or yeah. um, even uh, uh, The Girl from Plainville as well. Like they're trafficking in like the music of that period and the, and sort of all this stuff where you're just like, Jesus, it wasn't that long ago. And yet it Yellow is, Jackets you know, too? Yellow Jackets as well. I haven't seen Yellow Jackets, but I was just thinking about The Dropout and The Girl from Plainville, which I haven't seen The Girl from Plainville yet, but I saw that they're doing like some bleeping and I think they're tapping into like all that like music and stuff from the, even now it's we're going into nostalgia for like a decade ago now, which is like crazy. The final moment of the pilot. Don't say like, anything. Don't I'm say not, anything. I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm it's a true say, story. It involves but... glee is all I'm saying. It is a true story and it did happen. But my point is, I think you're right. Joanna Robinson that, said it's like the best moment in TV it's history. Fucking I, I, I really I'm don't I'm going to watch that tonight, uh, I think. It's, I'm it's so fantastic. excited for it. It's also, it's interesting because I was watching with my roommate who is, I think, closer to your age. She's about 10 years younger than me. Um, But still, she was talking about how, like, Glee is now nostalgia, which was nostalgia when it existed. Like, it was already sort of playing to your Britney's and your Madonna's and all that kind of, it, it's just, it's very strange. It's like we're in some weird slipstream right now that I'm just It happens like, all the time, yeah. though. Yeah. It happens all the time. Like... I think when people think of like um, American Graffiti, you mm-hmm. kind of like think of it's a 70s movie, but then you watch it, it's a set in the 50s. So you yep. have this like double nostalgia thing that happens with a movie like that or a movie like The Outsiders, where that's a movie yes. that's set in the 50s. It was shot in 1980 with all these, you know, current old yeah. men movie stars. That happens all the time where people are, you know, like we're, we're, People are nostalgic in their moment for when they grew up. And then later they're found like by another generation who are almost like nostalgic for the nostalgia. Yes. yes. Like there is something about like, I remember when they did the Britney episode, which was the first time I saw Britney taken in as nostalgia object, right? Like they did a Madonna episode, which made a lot of sense and was obvious. She was already, you know, iconic and had already like kind of had her like 20 years of fame. And but the Britney one was a really interesting one because the Britney one was she was still kind of relevant and mm-hmm. it was she was still it was like still kind of on the tail end of her putting out pop music. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now I think maybe to me at least, people who come to that Britney episode now might get a different idea of the way Britney was viewed in the moment, which like yeah. I th- I think Britney at that moment was still viewed as yeah someone who was uh on the way out 
And that I, I, I think Glee brought her back um, as a, you know, like as the kind of person who could have her Vegas residency thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's kind of ironic that we're talking about Glee on our two hands episode, but I'll say that that show is, was, continues to be a fascinating kind of lightning in a bottle thing because I mean, Kenny and I were, I remember Kenny and I were big fans of it when it was Loved on. It. Loved it for the first couple seasons anyway. And then yeah. as most Brian Murphy things, it just careens off into some, you know, bizarro yeah. thing. And then unfortunately you also had, um, uh, Corey Monty, it's passing away. So it's like all these kind of it's confluence of stuff that happened. But, but I do think that that show really brought things back into the zeitgeist. The show was so big that I remember just like it, it would, th- first of all, the Glee songs would start to pop on iTunes. And then the original songs would start, I mean, it really was just this fascinating loop of pop culture that that show created. But but to, to to get back to to two hands for a second, I do think that um, Heath Ledger's ascension is pretty fascinating in terms of how quickly he becomes a movie star, um, and then how quickly he's able to pivot to something much more than that. The series um, actor. Yeah, in a very yeah. short span of time, um, and I, I I would argue that 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 constricted timeline might have been part of his tragic sort of end is that it didn't feel like it, it perhaps it was just too much too quickly. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to speculate onto, onto his headspace and to, you know, the various things that led to his unfortunate early death, but it's just, it is really interesting that the guy made, how many movies did you make Kenny? Was it like nine is it even no, nine? I mean, no, I it was think he more. made. He I probably mean, made like sixteen or something. If oh, you was don't it that count, many? Like, okay. I don't know. He did like a few films, but like he does. He only has like a few that are really like well known to people. It's yeah. about twenty. Oh, it's about twenty movies. But you know, he did. He. It looks like he did five Australian films before Ten Things I Hate About You. Right, uh, and then he had a few smaller roles that people don't really remember. Like he was in Monsters Ball. For instance, He's, yes, no, he was, you know, that was a bit, it's a big role. I mean, it was a big um, role. Sure, yeah, the Patriot, which I think was kind of a you know its own little yes. guarantor after yes. Ten Things I Hate About You, not a particularly beloved movie, but like a very serious movie. Yeah, um, and then I do yeah. think you know I, I don't love Knight's Tale, but I know some people really love Knight's, like Knight's Tale, Tale, and I haven't I think seen it. Knight's Tale really broke him out to some extent, and then you know I. I mean, Night's Tale, it should be said, Night's Tale, like, I don't know if you remember the poster for Night's Tale, Kenny, but the poster is literally just his giant his face. face. His beautiful face. And it's face. just like him, and he's a knight, and he's got shaggy blonde hair, and you're just like, it's it's Hollywood being like, this guy's a movie star. I mean, I think of I think of his career as four movies. Like, yeah. I know he did yeah. a lot of other stuff, but I think of it as 10 Things I Had About You, A Night's Tale, Broke Back, Dark Knight. And I think like, and he was in other movies, no doubt, yeah. but like, yeah. that's, that's the, you know, that's yeah. the John Gazelle of Heath Ledger. Yes, right? I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that it's, it is interesting to kind of look at, you know, 
mixed in there, you've got Four Feathers, which is a movie that straight up doesn't exist, but was a big Oscar play with uh, Kate Hudson and Wes Bentley and and uh, and Heath Ledger. It's a period piece, I think, like a, a war period piece of some sort. Um, Ned Kelly and the Order. Lords of Dogtown, which he's really good in, kind of disappears into that role. A movie that also just sort of... Oh, I remember he was like an older guy in that. Not yeah, an old yeah, man, but yeah. he was... He wasn't... I, not, yeah. I was trying to remember who he was in that movie. Yeah. But yeah, he was kind of like a little bit like Ryan Reynolds' role in Adventureland, right? Yes, yes. He's. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, too, that like he really was very... Um, it feels like there's a moment, a turn for him where he starts to want to disappear into his roles, which again might speak to his mental state, uh, that it really does start to become like Brokeback is a transformative performance. It's, it's insane to think that it's the same guy from two hands that's in Broke, Brokeback. Um, you know, and, and obviously Dark Knight is another sort of transformative. He's, he's covered in latex and he's doing all sorts of shit to his face. Um, and, and same with, uh, uh, I'm not there when he plays Bob Dylan in that, which he um, is great in that. Too. Yeah, yeah. That one's a good film. It's just, it's, it's, he's a, he was obviously a, a tremendous actor and it, it does feel like this is a really sort of, it's a really cool movie, two hands. And it does feel like you're seeing, somebody new that you need to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, Kenny, what, what did you think of the movie from 30,000 Feet? I know you you really quite like it. I think it. it's an excellent movie and I loved it. Uh, <laughs> for real. Like, I think like the Heath of it, fantastic. Sure. Um, I thought Brian Brown was amazing. We have seen mm-hmm. so many shitty fucking crime bosses <laughs> recently. I loved, I loved him. I thought Rose Byrne, I understand completely why he would risk it all for her, yes. um, which yeah. he does. He literally risks it all for her. I think that's, yep. uh, I, th- I think that's sold beautifully by Heath. And I think mm-hmm. she is totally winning. Um, mm-hmm. I think all of the, I think all the plot mechanics work beautifully. Yep. I, and I think it's also funny. Um, and I think it's, you know, like one of the great scenes in movie history to me is, in out of sight when the schmuck is running up the stairs and blows his head off, you know, which just reminds me a little bit of, you know, let's not forget that these are guns and this can, you know, things can happen when you play with guns. Uh, I love the bank robbery in this movie. I love really good so much. And I love (laughs) fucking eight minutes later, when the guy has died in the course of the bank robbery, the driver, and they are doing a impromptu moment of silence, and and the other guy's son shoots the shotgun off through their through the roof by accident, <laughs> and he's and the guy is just like God, I have a splitting headache, like not even like yeah, put that gun yeah. down, like that was a loud inappropriate noise. It's just we, it's funny because we did, and I don't know if you've seen this movie. Uh, Jahan, uh, we did uh, Holy Smoke, which I is it. I, it's on my watch list, and I've never gotten to it. <laughs> I, frankly, need to I, I can't remember if it's set in New Zealand or Australia, but it's set uh, yeah. a down under, <laughs> and I think this is a a much more interesting depiction of yeah. Australians, and I, I do think it was set in Australia uh, of Australians. Um, then that movie, like it's, it's, that movie's it, weird. It, it is weird. And, and the, and the, and the, and the 
the dynamic between the two leads and that character is a special sauce of that film. But this just there's a confidence of of and a of of tone and of a uh, 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 mission statement here that I totally yeah. get. And even like at the end of my re- my little you know write up my my notes, there are things I could nitpick. But I just said it's sure. it's I think this is too good to nitpick. Like. I didn't love the stuff with his dead brother, but like, yeah, whatever, like whatever. Right. Like that's how I feel because I loved so much of this. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, the more you talk about it, the more I liked it. My, my first blush with it is that I kind of was like, okay, so this is sort of an Aussie Guy Ritchie movie. And I don't say that to be to be It's like Ozzy Noir, Noir, but I think that if this was made now with Guy Ritchie, it would have been like ten times worse because I don't like his movies that much. I agree with that. Like so I think if you compare it to like the Guy Ritchie of now, like the gentleman Guy Ritchie. Yes. I think this would be like the worst movie you've ever seen in your life. Totally agree with you. (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna be more generous than you, Phil. Okay. I compared it to Danny Boyle. A, a, also a Danny Boyle yeah. with a little helping of a little sprinkling of Martin Breast. And oh, that, okay. and okay. I, and uh, all seen through, you know, this Aussie lens, which like these, it's funny because this movie won the won a bunch Aussie of AFI. equivalent, yeah, yeah. the Australian yeah. Film Institute, the Aussie equivalent of Best Picture. Now they only give out movies to uh, awards to Australian films, and if you guys looked through what gets nominated, yeah. almost none of them make them. Almost none of them make it stateside. Almost yeah. none of them. Like a, yeah. like a Campion movie will make it, or like a Baz Luhrmann movie will make right, it. Right, right. Like like the Great Gatsby won one year, but for it the did? most part, it did. But for the most <laughs> That's part, such a cheat. It's a bit of a cheat, but for the <laughs> Wait, most is part, Baz, the, is Baz Luhrmann Australian? Yes. I Wait, honestly really? thought he was American. I had no idea. I never really bothered to look at his like Wikipedia or hear his voice. He is the most Australian. He's an Aussie. And I, and I <laughs> Probably and I why love his films it. have like a very specific style. Correct. I don't know. Like it's I don't really vibe with most of his films that aren't Moulin Rouge, so well, that yeah, you, said, you, you, I mean, you said enough for me. I, as long as you love <laughs> as long as you love Moulin Rouge, yeah. this is gonna go fine. But I I I uh, I it's it's interesting. We just did a Jackie Chan movie, we did. Uh, Two Dragons, and I get the sense because these Australian movies kind of exist in their own bubble mm-hmm. that they aren't subject to the same level of like preciousness mm-hmm. that inflicted the American indie culture at the time. Now we, John, we've just done a lot of. American versions of this type of film over the last couple of weeks. Oh, far this is worse by, than this film. This is by far the best one. Yeah. This one has personality. This one has clear characters. This one has a, a crime syndicate that I understand. Mm-hmm. The mission is very simple. Deliver this. This one yeah. is playful. The woman dies. When like like even the way the kid dies, the kid's hit by the car. Oh like it's not playful, but it's Tarantino esque. It's like there's it's just it's one yeah. of these things that's just like Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson. This is like sometimes shit happens, and the yeah. way it ties into the end is yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. I think this is like I, I think this is this is like if, if you look 
if you look at it, there, there's just a like Swiss clock energy to it. It just fucking makes sense. And the things I don't like, like I don't like the brother talking essentially from hell. And I always hate starting the movies, you know, in media res yeah, yeah. with, with some like thing that's just designed to, to, you know, draw you in. I think that's totally unnecessary. In, I don't in think this that worked film. at all. It really yeah. took yeah. out like the suspense of that moment or like any, ex- any feeling that you could have felt from that moment. you, already knew what was happening at the beginning and it could have just like been cut out and it wouldn't have had any effect on it hurt it the made movie it better. yeah i totally yeah. agree with you and i'll tell you the main reason it hurt for me and it hurt because it's a bad device in just in general yeah but brian brown's performance is so awesome and and the fact that the entire film i don't know if you guys have ever been in a situation where you have found yourselves friends or friendly with someone who is a very who's very clearly a bully but they have social power so you start to convince yourself that this person if you really get to know this person they're okay they're a good yeah. guy they're okay you know better but like they're not being mean to you yeah. so you're like i yeah. know you like i am enamored with Heath Ledger's character constantly saying oh you know pando's a good guy like he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already know he's not a good guy because he's holding him at gunpoint in the middle of this movie. But yeah. we could have not known that until the moment where that's happening and the gun backfires. Again, a brilliant thing you never see in movies. You always see gangsters clean their gun. You never see the consequences of it not cleaning their gun. It's awesome. I I, I also think that, that is a huge misstep. I totally agree. Part of the Pando thing too is in the Brian Brown performance. Yeah. Like there there is something about and the, him the way he's dressed. The way he's dressed, the way he talks, the the he he doesn't seem like he's intimidating, but he also seems like maybe he could be your friend. Like there is a friendly kind he of He seems very like approachable at sometimes. He's totally. He it seems it, like a it, nice gangster. Yeah, it's it is you know, it's interesting too just even the the first time we meet him when uh, Heath and this other guy are basically <clears throat> working outside a, a strip club trying to get people to come inside. And and uh, Brian Brown just kind of pulls up and essentially offers Heath a job and says, like, you know, do, do you want to help me, you know, um, with, I guess it's essentially some, is it like money movement? Like, it's basically, just he's just, off. yeah, it's just it's a just drop. like, someone's yeah. got to drop off the money. Right. I love um, how they don't explain why, though. Like, it's yeah. we don't really know the motivations towards, like, any of this stuff. But it's that's, so That's fun. also part of the charm of this film, to Kenny's yeah. point, which is that, like, the stuff that's important is important, the stuff that isn't important isn't, and just he kind of move on. The, all the crime movies, all the fun crime movies, the Elmore Leonard stuff that yeah. people like, they don't explain this shit. They no. like they never you get shorty doesn't explain this shit. No. Out of sight doesn't explain this shit. Like that's this that's yeah. the, the the nuts and bolts of the why for particularly when it comes to the inciting incidents don't really matter, you know? Um I I, I not <clears throat> yeah, just jump I, around. I, I do think but that there's like, there's gonna, something about the tone that I really appreciate and when and that the I we all love a swing, right? take a swing, try to do something. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think the magic realism in this movie sort of, kind of works at times. The fractured narrative is unnecessary, but it gets you, I guess, a hard cut to one of the most insane credit sequences we've had of 1999. This credit sequence was 
like just garish and so 90s with just this like hardcore rock song and this like over like the CG kind of overly glistening. I loved it. I loved it. The the chrome. I thought it was so cool. I don't know if you guys have seen High Octane, which is like this very mm-hmm. short-lived Sofia Coppola TV show that was on Comedy Central. No, but, the, but I'm, that sounds interesting. Um, I watched it like at the beginning of the year and it was really good. And the opening, like they have like a credit sequence and it has to do like a lot with cars because the show has okay. like a, they have like an obsession with cars. And it kind of reminded me of this just because of like the the credit sequence for this movie has like, it's like, kind of like a road show. It has like the, you yes, know, car yes. titling yeah, yeah, and yeah. just like the music that you'd kind of expect. And so I was watching this. And I was like, this is kind of like high octane. Like they have yeah, it's some gotta, similarities. It's got a pimp my ride kind of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> For good or bad. Pimp my um, ride kind of vibe. <laughs> it's kind of great. Um, but I, but I do think that when the, when we meet the brother who I guess is in some sort of purgatorial space of some sort, um, and he, I've just been recently rewatching the Evil Dead movies. So I immediately was just like, what, what are we doing here? Why is there a zombie brother? At first, I thought it was Heath. Like that he had actually just died. like him. I had no idea who this right? person was supposed to be. I think it took me way too long to figure it out <laughs> because I just didn't know what he was like doing. Right. Like at and first, he looks so I'm, much like him. I was, I was typing like, my okay, notes. Okay, so he's going to die at the end. Yeah. And just like I literally come was, back as like an older person. In my notes, I was like, wait, is Heath narrating this from the great beyond? <laughs> like I truly was just like, I don't the understand. The not so great beyond. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? And then when I realized it was his brother and I was like, okay. And truthfully, I don't necessarily have a problem with like dead brother, guardian angel, what have you. Yeah. But he's not really infused into the story particularly. He just kind of, he's there to stop to fuck with the bullets so that he doesn't die. And then they have this very you, yeah. strange yeah, interaction. Shows on the, up on the, like every right, What's the train minutes. thing? Did you understand the train moment? Am I crazy? Cheap. Yeah. No. That's <laughs> okay. what I'm saying. It, like, it, that, is, that is like, at the end of the day, when I looked at it, I'm like, I can nitpick. That's the nitpicking part. <laughs> sure. But... I just don't. I'm not. I'm not being like. I'm not it, shitting on. No, it. I, I know just you're not. Yeah. Make and, sure and, I didn't understand I the, something. And what's interesting is like, all right, how did you guys feel mm. about the moment when Heath is supposed to deliver the money, and yes, the woman the doesn't answer the door, and he goes to the beach and he buries the money. <laughs> oh my and god! And he sees someone he thinks is Rose Byrne going <laughs> into the pool, into the ocean. He strips down to his uh, skivvies. And follows her in. And yeah. as he's following her in, the Michael, his dead brother, narrates yeah. a part that basically is like, this is the thesis for this movie. We yeah. all make choices in the moment that have reverberations. Yep. And how did you guys feel about having some disembodied voice tell you exactly what to feel in the moment? I didn't care for it because this is like a very simple film. Like the plot wasn't complicated He's just, the character's kind of stupid to leave the money on in the sand in a crowded beach. But like, I guess yeah. maybe that's With an Australian a big sign thing. That says like there are money. thieves on this yeah. beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I love how um, I think it's very funny how those kids like ran all the way across to the beach, took the envelope, and he's still like underwater. Yeah, 
Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You can you can stay under there and hold your breath for like, I don't think they're that fast. And then they just like I, disappear and go on a shopping spree and then he gets hit by a car. A candy, I mean, they did exactly what they what kids would do. They go right to the candy store, buy $10,000. Yeah, it's amazing. it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, just like handing them like $100 bills. Yeah. I, I do think that... I took issue with all the stuff you guys did at the beach. I, I think that we don't need the VO that that spoon feeds us the theme of the movie. Um, it, it it actually weirdly had this. Is it Jimmy or is it? It sounds like it's a mixture of VO because I could have sworn that Brian that that uh, Brian Brown was also mixed in there. Am I crazy? I think you're crazy because I I, I can barely even remember what was like said in the voiceover. Well, all I, I know like, is that what was. It was. The voiceover was very heavy-handed, but it did, it weirdly reminded me of Amelie when like, because the VO in that is also telling you sort of what you're watching in a weird way, like almost like a like a fairy tale, um, which it doesn't bother me in Amelie, but in this, yeah. it just sort of comes out of nowhere and you just don't need it. You definitely don't need it. Yeah. Um, but who cares? I didn't bother, and also it- just for the record, the idea of him walking into the ocean to chase Rose Byrne is an as as clunky as it might be isn't terrible in terms of the fact that she is obviously going to be his escape from this world yeah. of crime. So there is a nice symmetry to that to a certain degree, but all of it's kind of jammed into this weird beach. That's scene. not the pro- that that's yeah. the best part of it. The best part of yes, it yes. is that he thought she was her. Yeah, yeah. And followed her, yeah. and I and I genuinely, I'm never surprised by the like, you know, we're following the guy, and yeah. oh my god, he's Asian. But uh, I was genuinely surprised that it wasn't her. I really yeah, it looked a lot like her too. from behind. Correct. Yeah, I, I, I mean that. that hair was like done very well. Whoever they found yeah. to get that hair, whatever. So <laughs> I, this feels like an opportunity. I want to talk about Rose Byrne for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's very excited about her career fascinates me because it's fascinating because she's someone who I very like I love and I recognize her but I have not seen her in so much stuff she's just kind of that person who you just like like her because she's everywhere but also like her filmography is all over the place it is all over the place it has gone downwards I don't know what she hasn't she has like the same kind of spiral of Naomi Watts. Is this like an Australian well, curse? I do Rose think that Byrne a little, is a little bit, bit like better at the moment, but Naomi Watts is, um, well, I'll say this don't a, exist about Rose. She does have two great roles in television right now. She was great yeah. in Miss America as Gloria yeah. Steinem. Um, and I, I do like physical for what it's I worth. I, 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 I think she's Apple, really good so. in it. She's but fantastic. Man. She's fantastic. It's a, it's, it's a tough show, but she's it's a tough amazing. show. But I'll say this. She's in, as you said, a fuck ton of movies, right? Like she she really comes out of this movie and I mean she's barely in Attack of the Clones, but she's in it. Uh the 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 second Star Wars prequel. And then her first kind of big role, I'd say, is Troy. I think that's when Troy and then Wicker Park in 2004. She's also in Damages around this time as well. Mm-hmm. And Damages was a big show and she's great in it. I haven't seen that, but I think she got an Emmy nomination for that. She did. Yeah. I keep getting Dad, ads on yeah. Hulu for that, but I it's so long. It's really good. I just I haven't bothered. Damages was I I really think that moment for her because yes. that was right when FX had kind of proven that they're it's a star making, you know, network. It was across from um, Glenn Close and like she just jumps off the screen. It yes. is we have to find you have to find out more about this person. I'd never yep. heard of her 
before this show. And uh, that, and then following that up Mm. with, I guess it wasn't a follow-up. But she's in Marriage Between Sunshine. She's in, it's really Get Him to the Greek. Get Him to the Greek is what I was going to say. Is the moment when people are like, she's funny. Yeah, I have not seen that. As I... As I said, I have not seen her in enough stuff. When you when you like like you you put up her her performance in Damages, which is deathly serious. Yes, and casting her also in Get Into the Greek, which is she's basically playing a female Russell Brand, like, and she's yep. utterly incredible. Yep. Um, and then Bridesmaids, obviously, and then Bridesmaids, which is like transcendent, and she should have been nominated for that. But yeah. uh yeah, she's so funny. The fact that she has that in her in her quiver is like it's crazy. Who has it's, that? She has range. I, that was, that's the she thing. has range that people some people don't know how to take advantage of her acting abilities, which is mm-hmm. why she did some like stupid John Stewart movie a few years ago with Steve Carell. I did not yeah, watch that, that, that but I bad. saw the trailer and I yeah. was like, okay, I'm never gonna watch this. Well, she's she's in Neighbors. Like, here's the thing: she gets yeah. into the Apatow world through Get Him to like, the Greek. Then it's Bridesmaids. They they must have yeah. been like, oh my god, look yeah. at what look we at have. what we found. But then it's also like sometimes you just get the impression that she just wants to work, and I don't necessarily hold that against her. She does a lot of stuff, right? I mean, the internship, Insidious, but she does Neighbors. Um, She's uh, in both those films, and she's in some X-Men films as sort of a tertiary character that's kind of there. Um, but Instant Family, you saw, right, Kenny? Am I crazy that yeah, you saw that? Instant Family, I, I, I think she's great in because yeah. that's, that's something she could do in her sleep. She's just a right. great actress. Like Neighbors, she basically could do in her sleep. Yeah, uh, and there it's like a, it's a similar ask for what she can do. The thing about Rose, Rose. Um, burn that upsets me a little bit is like okay i think this is no shade towards emily blunt who i think is like the best but like rose burn is basically as good as emily blunt and like and emily blunt has like she does all of it she does the comedy she does the drama she does the action she does Mm -hmm. all of it Mm -hmm. and i'm confident rose burn can also do all of it but like maybe because the the version of comedy she has done, particularly in Get Into the Greek, and you know, I mean, in fucking Bridesmaid, she had a chocolate fight um, or Spy she, as well, which is another version of of her doing. Yes, she's gone maybe a little too far out there to get to pull back and Correct. do the super serious stuff that I have seen her do almost as well or as well as Emily Blunt. So I, I think, think that's kind of you know unfortunate. That's a fair comparison, but I, you know. I don't know that I would buy Rose Byrne in Edge of Tomorrow, for instance. I think um, you would. I, 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 I would. I haven't I seen that. Maybe you're right, yeah. I think, I think that if she did it, you'd be surprised. I'm not like a big Emily Blunt fan. Sorry, but okay. <laughs> I have seen her probably in like one thing. So I think that, I mean, I think she's kind of like on the same level as Rose. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah, I mean, I, I it is interesting that you bring up Emily Blunt, Kenny, because Emily Blunt doesn't have nearly as many credits as Rose. Um, she does. She has an incredible amount of credits. Mm-hmm. She, okay. she does like two films every year for the last like... Uh, 25 years. Okay. Last, she, she is a lot of credit. <laughs> I'm not saying long... she doesn't. I'm I'm speaking more to the fact that Rose Byrne has popped more in the stuff she's in than Emily Blunt has. Emily Blunt's career is one of those careers that everyone in Hollywood is like, why didn't... The, the, the fulcrum point that everyone hones in on is that she was cast as Black Widow and then she couldn't do it because she was trapped in fucking reshoots on... Um, uh, Gulliver's Travels. Um, of other, other, other people feel differently about this filmography than I do. Then, because I'm just I saying at- that a lot of people feel like had she got the role of Black Widow, that her career trajectory would be very different. Her career trajectory. Mm, I is don't incredible. I don't. I don't know. Marvel kind of ruins career. Tra- Scarlett Johansson has not done a good movie other than Marriage Story since, or maybe I don't know. I think she did. People like Jojo the... Rabbit. I don't particularly. But oh wait, do like I it. I forgot about that. I'm, Scarlett Johansson. It was good, bad. but it's not like a memorable movie for me. Yeah. It, yeah, like, yeah, no, for sure. Scarlett Johansson it's... has a great career. Uh, yeah, but like Emily Blunt. Like, look, she won a fucking sack for a Quiet Place. Like, let's you know, she's. I haven't she's, seen she, that. I don't do horror, but. She's I, acting opposite The Rock, like equal billing with The Rock and Jungle. You know, Cruise, I'm not shitting on Emily movie. Blunt. They I'm, had they they had to cast some actress like fifty fucking sixty sixty years later. They're remaking Mary Poppins. Anybody would have done that role. They went to Emily Blunt. Like she's doing fine. Like listen, really I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying that she doesn't have a successful career, Kenny. That's not my point here. My point is that. That role, first of all, I think I think Scarlett Johansson eventually did a pretty good job. Does a good job as Black Widow, but it took her job. it took her a few movies to find it. Yeah. But she eventually does. I believe um, the people not, who wrote those movies because they didn't say, give her. Yes. I think they wanted they introduced totally. her as someone who's like very attractive, and that's why Scarlett Johansson, I think, was eventually like cast because she was like a kind of like yeah. a sex symbol when sex yeah. symbols were like big, yeah. and then they decided like, oh, maybe we should expand her into something not basic no for sure I, I and again i'm not even convinced that emily blunt would have been totally right as black widow either um but i could she's, be she's she's never been bad she would have been totally right sorry about my dog she got a fucking sag nomination for the girl in the fucking train like she is amazing but you know sorry but, she's great in um the devil wears prada which was, I think, Amazing. I love that movie. I love Emily Blunt. I'm not shitting on Emily Blunt. No, I mean, I'm I mean, not like a huge fan of hers. Like, in, I just, I don't gravitate towards the films that she does. They're kind of like, I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't willingly like watch Jungle Cruise. Like, she's pretty good in Jungle Cruise. If you, but if, if you, if you, if you, like, it's, she is proof to me 
in Jungle Cruise that she could have chemistry with a tree stump. Because, like, yes, she, she has chemistry, sexual chemistry with The Rock. Who, Which, like... We've never heard of that before. <laughs> I've mean, never I've seen, seen that before. I've seen every single Dwayne Johnson movie. And, like, even the movies were, like, his, like, saving some damsel thing works. Yeah. It's yeah. not even... It's not because you believe that they're in love. I mean, even, like, the one that, like, I think kind of works is San Andreas. But, um... Carla Gugino, like the whole thing is that they're like not together anymore. And he's just like kind of saving a person that like he cares about emotionally. But like she has sexual chemistry with Listen, him. Emily Blunt found sexual chemistry with Tom Cruise as well, which is not an easy thing yes. to do. Oh, so the other I'm one, not, but, you know, but the other one who like falls into this like category of, you know, British or Australians and fucking kills it and has sexual chemistry with the rock is now I can't remember her name, but the girl who uh the woman who is in uh, Jumanji and also Karen in, Gillen. Is that her Karen, name? Karen Gillen. Okay. So she also is like hilarious and can do action and can do Yeah, she's roles. another one. I'm curious she's to tremendous see tremendous the, the new Apatow, the bubble, um, which comes out on Friday. I'll be curious to see if it's any good, but Karen <laughs> Gillen is the lead in that. So that's something. I, I mean, listen, I, this, I think Rose Byrne is phenomenally talented, shockingly talented at times, like better in the movies than the movies deserve a lot of the time. Um, And it is interesting to see her in this where I'll be honest, I don't feel like they give her all that much to do. Unfortunately, Um, she's kind of just a, kind of a manic pixie dream girl for him to fall in love with. I was just about to say that. I don't really like that term because I like some manic pixie dream girl. like characters. Yeah, Yeah. But this one was kind of like, they very much like, she was kind of on the promotional posters, like all of them. So I kind of expected her to be in more than like five or six scenes. And then she was kind of just like sidelined and underutilized. Yeah, she's, I love her look in this. Uh, It is, it's, it's a choice and I'm into it, but it feels like that's 50% of the character for them. And that's... You know, she's a dream girl, and she's a photographer. She's, a she's dream an girl. She's artsy, which is like yeah. the epitome of that title. Yeah. At yeah. least she uses an actual camera. Correct. Yeah, that's something. <laughs> that's true. I, and she also can make a little moment, like seeing the photos get developed, and her, her and seeing the photo of him and the smile on her face like a totally silent moment that's just unbelievably charming that she sells that in lesser hands would have felt cloying. I think she does a really good job of making that stuff feel grounded. I think, listen, this is one of the first films she's ever done. So there's definitely scenes where she's just not there yet uh, on some level. I'm speaking specifically of the scene when he's dragged away and she's crying and I'm just like, (laughs) you're, I'm not buying these tears, Rose. But she's just kind of like standing that. there awkwardly. I would have run away. I love away. that scene. I love that scene. It's a good I scene. Love, I'm not looking at it. Cab fair. I just, I again, like, I, I don't know who made that stupid decision to start the film the way they started it. But like, <laughs> we we should have been we the 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 whole film should have been us understanding yeah. why he kind of fell for this guy. Yep. And the and how much it hurt when he realized, oh no, I'm just another guy to him. 
I'm just another delivery boy to him. And didn't he like kill his brother too? And he's still like yeah. friends with him. Does or, like, he know he, he killed his brother? I don't, I don't know. know if he knows he killed okay. his brother. Well, until the scene yeah, I, I when, he, when he says yeah. we planted him here, I wonder unless if that's he's when really he just him. like unless he kind of thinks that he killed him, but doesn't want to like come to terms with it. I, yeah. I think it's that. I think it's. I think it's maybe he. Look, who else is going to kill him? Right, like, but he, but it was hoping against hope, which I think is a thing that, again, like happens. Like I've seen it happen too many times in social circles, where someone who's a bully like picks on someone's best friend, and they're just like, yeah, but he's always nice to me, you know. Like, but they've, I've never seen it. I know that he kicked you in the stomach and you know slapped you in the face, but like, and this happens with Will Smith right now, yeah, right. Where people, you know, this happens in Hollywood a lot too, with like abusers and stuff and you ask like someone who worked with that actor prior and i can think of like five examples but for sure for sure you know just talk about like right just like johnny depp right now is who everyone they ask about or like shia labeouf and everyone's kind of like but he was like nice to me and i didn't see him do anything firsthand and so he's you know clean for me but i can't dictate what he did to other people and Ansel Elgort as well. The press tour for West Side Story was kind of a mess when they asked all of the women about his. Well, none know, of them wanted to talk about it. And they said, "Yeah, they what kind of were just like." To put everybody in. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, think that's that just, to have yeah. him ingrained in the press tour without even an acknowledgement was yeah. kind of also messy on the part of like the studios for letting him go yeah. unscathed a little and like. Attending all the red carpets. He didn't attend the Oscars, which maybe was a good move for them at the end. But um, I, yeah, I gotta say it's yeah the 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 Ansel Elgort West Side Story fiasco is is a real bummer. I don't think he's great in the movie, but I also don't think that he's horrendous in the movie. I think he's serviceable, and that everybody else blows him out of the water. But but more than anything, um, it does feel like on the two hand side of things that Jimmy is definitely doing his best to try to think the best of Pando, which yeah. is very strange. Um, not completely, you know, unwarranted. It makes me, here's, it's funny as I was watching this and I don't know if you guys felt this, but he has a bit of an Eddie Adams, Mark Wahlberg and Boogie Nights vibe in this. A little bit. A little bit yeah. of just like a little bit of wide eyed, a little kind of goofy, not, particularly smart kind of dumb he's kind of but like, lovable he's like leaning towards himbo but he has a little bit more brains than that yes for sure not enough brains to uh, you know not put an envelope in some sand but <laughs> <laughs> right but similar to, to eddie adams who is also sort of trying to see the first of all he has no family so obviously like this this world of pornography becomes these people become his sort of family but he's also turning a blind eye to what he knows is a i don't want to say socially unacceptable but but a questionable universe of characters and i think it's i think similarly jimmy in this is kind of willing to sort of he needs this and because he needs this he's willing to sort of turn a blind eye to things that he knows are questionable um it's 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 a pretty fascinating role too like he's kind of a doofus like the way he is with with uh 
well, forgive me, I don't remember Rose's character's name, but um, the way he is with her is sort of just dumb. Like he's not, I he's, he's, it's I not that he's not really, charming. He's just kind of dumb. I think, I think that's really highlighted by the, like the airport scene where. Yes. He, oh God, um, the end, the, the guest, last line of the, the movie. Like, the airplane and uh, like agent or the, you know, yeah. the airline agent is like, what do you want to pay with like, yeah. for the tickets with? And he's like money. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I and then the guy really just like, like, I know I did, but it was just kind I don't of think like it's funny. Yeah. I just I thought it was a I, very funny. I think it yes. worked perfect for this mo- for this movie that was also a comedy, and it yes, worked well yes. in that it showed that like their affection for each other. Mm-hmm. Totally, so, totally. I, yeah, I just thought it was very. I, yeah, it, it's it, it's a weird thing, and I think this is a tribute to Heath and probably the director whose name we should say at some point, Gregor Jordan. Gregor Jordan, uh, yeah, correct. I, I think that it's a little hard to pin down exactly what the traits are that make this character. Mm-hmm. Yet, this is a character I believe in understood every way, every step, mm-hmm. every step of the way. Yeah, sure. Like he is a character who can commit crimes, but also be morally upright. He's a character who can do stupid things like burying the money in the sand, but also like be smart enough to be able to handle himself in the middle of a particularly like daunting situation in that bank robbery, which he does mm-hmm. with a plum. Yeah. And, you know, I thought the thing with the, the $10,000 with the, um, with the radio station was so fucking funny. Like, yeah, I thought so that was funny too. fucking wonderful. And he knew to yeah. run him off the road. Like, that's just silly <laughs> stuff. But like, just so funny and so good. Well, it's, it's you know, another movie that this could have been and thankfully was not is Boondock Saints in terms of that type of energy and that type of vibe. Yeah. If they, if, and, yeah, if they, if they thought this was all cool, yes. Right, exactly. And that's part of like so. So this the director Gregor Jordan also did Ned Kelly that uh, that Heath was in in two thousand and four. He directed that as well, and a movie called Buffalo Soldiers with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, which I have a vague recollection of. Well, Ned, Ned Kelly was I was. I mean, Ned Kelly's basically like the fucking Davy Crockett of uh, Australia. <laughs> I mean, like yeah, it's it, like he's just he is the, he's their Paul Bunyan, but I think he really really lived. So I think that was probably a big role. A big, a big, <laughs> that was probably a big get for for Greg. Yeah. Um, but but to your but to your point, uh, both of your points. This movie is juggling a tone that is really quite hard to do, and it does it quite well. Dark comedy mixed with elements of magic realism. I, I love that about it. Like yeah. I don't. I'm not. I, I feel like I'm in good hands. Two good hands during this film. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Sure. I agree with that. Um, this at the same time, I do think this movie is also very nineties. Um, its production design, its costumes, I mean, it, its music, all feels very much of that period. There was also apparently an alternate ending to this film, which is so. The televised version of the film featured a longer ending immediately after the scene with Jimmy and Alex purchasing their air tickets is a scene where Jimmy's brother, Michael, delivers a brief monologue completing the karmic message of the film. A beam of light shines down from the heavens and Michael attempts to run to the light. However, he is grabbed by a series of hands which erupt from the ground and pull him back down to earth uh, that he escaped from in the opening introduction of the film. Uh, Didn't need it. Glad they ended it where they ended it. I just anything it, with that guy could have been cut out and it would have <laughs> it would have maybe impacted 
the film a little bit for it didn't make me hate it or like dislike it more i just thought it was something that was there and it could have been moved (laughs) all the way to the side yeah phil he was like a refugee from little monsters yes he was (laughs) He was. I don't know if you've seen that movie, John. It's uh, it's it, it's, <laughs> it's way before your by, time. by people who look like him. Um, I can't, I, I want to just talk for a quick second about um, hitting a child with your car and dumping their body in a gutter <laughs> and then driving away uh, is some dark shit. And I'm and to Kenny's point, I'm glad it comes back around at the end and that we get to see that you know the the retribution uh, for that. But Jesus Christ, let's contrast that with how. <laughs> child murder was handled in Gloria because sure, sure. like they, they turned Mike Starr, the child murderer in that film into like a silly, goofy, you know, naked yeah. man. And here like yeah. Akko, who's the Akko, who's the guy who kind of monster, yeah. idiot monster, but like a guy you like, yeah. you desperately wanted to see, get his comeuppance and you got it in a really fucking satisfying, you know, you poetic did. way. I, I just like, I do. I think this movie's, I think this movie, everything is just handled so fucking well. And the things that are like mistakes aren't the kind of mistakes that fuck with your ability to enjoy the movie. They're just things that you're like, all right, they shouldn't have done that. Or that I didn't need that. But like, they weren't like, they weren't things that mess with you on a cognitive level. Like so many of these films we've done mess with you on a cognitive level where you start to go like, I don't understand what's happening. My sense is they don't understand what's happening and therefore I don't trust the filmmakers to land this plane. So yeah. can I ask you guys a question that I'm, that I wasn't sure what, what to make of. Um, I have a theory, but this zoom into the eyes with the fire that we get at two or three different occasions in the film. Didn't need it. Didn't need remember it. it. So after the girl shoots all of them, the camera zooms into her eye and there's like this fire inside her oh. eye. My assumption is that like, this is a hell thing. Like this is part of the kind of weird heaven and hell thing. That's I, I, I didn't need it, but I also just kind of don't really know what it, I wasn't sure if you guys had any. Is any it maybe theories. to symbolize that like, I don't know, they're Evil. people that she killed. Yeah, yeah that they're bad yeah. people and that she got like her revenge yeah. or whatever. It's, it was a little, it was a little unnecessary. I have no um, idea. I'd like to pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> okay. Um, no, because the other character who's, who that happened was was Michael, who's already dead and in right. hell. So <laughs> it's very hard to understand like what that what through line is. There, that yeah. that is a cognitive issue. Yeah, but whatever. But again, it's I don't fine. care. Yeah, because I all wanna... the stuff that doesn't exist on our plane of existence, like, could be excised for the movie. And in my version of the movie, it has been excised. <laughs> So I, I want to just talk, I want to unpack the the, ribor- the robbery a little bit more for a second because I watched, I don't know if you guys have watched One Perfect Shot, um, the show that's on HBO Max. It's based on the Twitter feed where uh, Ava DuVernay has brought together filmmakers to talk about scenes and shots from their movies. This is all just a long way of saying that they did one on Heat with Michael Mann. And I watched that and I spent a half an hour it watching- it's fucking dope, and yeah. I highly recommend watching it. Um, but what I loved is that I watched that and then watched this bank robbery. Like, to put those two next to each other, obviously, Michael Manns is done with a precision that is that of, you know, unparalleled. And then this, which feels funny and also dangerous and lets you sit in these long moments of awkwardness that I just really loved. 
um, him knocking on the glass to try to get the, like, it's just, it, it's really good shit. The, PO, the POV during this bank robbery, sticking with Heath the entire time, <laughs> yeah. was so good. Yeah. Like, I just love how the guy knocks himself out. And like it. the way that he just like jumps right over it. And you and start then, to like, think like, yes. there's just like moment of silence with like everyone in there. Like no one's like yeah. crying in the corner. And then he's just like trying to nudge him awake. And I just think that's so, and like a few minutes later, the cops come and they're all like shooting at each other. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's like, what are, right, so I, I love that moment too, because they, they, they let you sit there long enough to start running through all the scenarios. All right. Do you yep. leave them? Well, you can't really leave them because then they'll come back <laughs> to you. You know, you, you, you take yeah. the money. Well, like that's like not the nicest thing to do. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, you can't, so you got to get him out of here, but, he tries. He can't pick him up. Oh my god! You got to get this guy out of the car. How do you get out of the car? But you also get out. You're not on the glass. <laughs> it's like every little bit of it. Like it's those are my favorite. You know, uh, those are my favorite. Like like wrenches in 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 the machine totally. type thing. Weird things like that that can happen that nobody possibly will have planned for that you have to deal with. Like like very, um, like like um. Like like physical things, like things yeah. that you actually have to like do the work to mm-hmm. figure out. And what we get in so many heist movies and so many movies like that are fucking digital problems or fucking, yeah. you know, yeah. things like that. Like, oh, we forgot the code or, oh, no, like like the, the camera that we thought we turned off. We did like who gives a shit? Yep. The idea of the guy jumping over the counter, hitting his head and passing out. It's great. Uh it's also a great stunt, love, by the way, too. Love. Like it's it's all kind of a wonder for a second there, where it's just kind of this manic, you know, uh, omniscient camera for a second. It's it's great. Um, the dragging is great. Like all of it's just really good physical comedy, um, but with attention, I, obviously. And here's the other thing: I was afraid that you know they they tease a bank robbery about half an hour, forty five minutes into this film. And then you kind of lose around the hour mark the need for the bank robbery. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid, like when he escapes, like I was afraid that they weren't going to have a bank robbery, like that it was just, you know, teased and then we weren't going to do it. And to have them have this bank robbery and then have it be such a memorable, original bank robbery without being Heat or The Dark Knight or one of these like epic, like, we are really going to give you something you've never seen before type things. Yep. Have it be three guys in a local fucking branch yep. and have it be so funny and so cool and so real. Again, like I think this movie plays on a different fucking level and it made me, like, made me want to watch more Australian films. Like it made me want to watch more films by this director. Like I, it made me want to watch more films from countries that don't generally get play over here. You know, mm-hmm. countries outside of like, I mean, you know, there, there are obviously English films get a lot of play over here. Uh, some European countries, some Asian countries, but, and then uh, occasionally you'll get things from other places, but there are these great, interesting films happening all over the world yeah. that we just never get. And I, and, and I don't know why we never got this movie. Like Phil, I mean, I, I get, I, I believe that you've heard of it, like, but I, we never really, I oh, it was definitely why. a, it I was a video. An American I didn't release. know about it. Yeah. 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 I, you know, it's interesting. You talking about that makes me think about, um, you know, 
what uh, Bong Joon-ho said when he won the Academy Award about, you know, the the plethora of movies that you guys would be open to if you could just see past the the two inch, um, you know, subtitles at the bottom. Um, and I and I really do hand it to Neon, which is doing a pretty superb job of finding really um, smart brilliant, audacious foreign films and distributing them really smartly here. You know, I think about obviously Portrait of a Lady, um, Titan, uh, you know, obviously Parasite um, and Worst Person in the World just recently. Like it's, it, it, to your point, Kenny, I think that yeah. hopefully we're finally starting to see that like, who gives a shit about subtitles of it and all? I, and I know yeah. that like, this Although I needed them on film, this movie, by the way, because I, I didn't did understand too. anything anybody and said. I know this is an Australian film, and obviously it's in English, and you know we're we're not we're yeah. not blind to that. We get it, sure. but for whatever reason, there has never been a pipeline for these films made in Australia to show up on our shores. And it's and funny because Australian, like Australia, is a really big movie Huge. industry. Like everyone makes movies there, but their movies never get like they never reach the popularity that any other English speaking mm-hmm. like countries films do, mm-hmm. even though like their industries are maybe on par with like England or even like France, France is, you know, it's their films are in French, but their films are pretty like more mainstream here. Yeah. Sure. Italian and too. it's mainly because Indian, their actors Spanish are like, they, their actors cross over more, but yeah. like we know Nicole Kidman more for her like American oh, characters. Sure. And like, I did not know Kate Blanchett was like Australian until a very long. I thought she was British because yeah, I felt like she had done more British said. films. Yeah, yeah. Blanchett, Naomi Watts, yeah. yeah, fucking Hugh Jackman, Hugh Russell Crowe, like yeah. Mel Gibson, Margot yeah. Robbie. I think Margot Robbie's like Margot, the yeah. one Australian actor who like you can really identify her as like an Australian. I don't know. I well, feel yeah. like she keeps her like you can hear her accent sometimes come back in yes. some of her for sure. Films. So Eric Bana. I mean, there's yeah. so many Australians yep. who. Maybe part of it is that it's so easy for an Australian to kind of work their way in mm-hmm. through Hollywood. The accents aren't that different, yeah, um, yeah. and you know it's you know, I, these these uh, these Australian accents. These Australian actors we've talked about all do American accents all the time, and no one really get no no one gives them any shit for it. Um, whereas there are a lot of British actors that I can't listen to their American accents. I think there's also something. Out. I mean, I know that 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 Taika is uh, is Kiwi, but I, and there are I, also a lot of Kiwi people who, yeah. particularly directors, Peter Jackson and Campion, and yeah, it's it's interesting too how that region, and I don't mean to clump New Zealand with Australia, but I'm going to just for the sake Oceana, of this argument, you know, is, <laughs> is that there is something very audacious about the style of filmmaking that comes out of there too. Right. And I think that, you know, we were talking about Baz Luhrmann earlier. Um, Peter Jackson's another example of it. Um, you know, just very sort of in your face filmmaking. And sometimes that's off putting and sometimes that's alienating. But like it's theirs. They've planted the flag and this is their this it's is awesome. their shit. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's fucking I'm dope. wild about I'm wild about Australia. I started yeah. I paused the movie and started looking at, you know, prices for trips to Australia. <laughs> like, I, it's expensive. I don't know if you guys it know is, that. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, but it's but do you know sort of what I'm getting at, John? Like that the, 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 there's this um each of these countries we're speaking of all have their own style and their own, you know, culture. 
and that's what makes them special. And I think, unfortunately, this country wants to homogenize that and wants to try to make it as accessible as is humanly possible. And that is the wrong instinct, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think that they have, like, a, every few years, there's, like, a good Australian movie that comes out that, like, is memorable to people. And then, like, all the other movies are kind of just, they don't exist. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm thinking about like Animal Kingdom, which was remade sure. into an American sure. TV show, which I mean, yes. I love both. And I, I used to like watch that show a lot. Sure. But, like Animal Kingdom is like a good Australian that like got the attention. It got like an Oscar nomination and stuff. And that's yeah. like yeah. a good movie. That yeah. It is a good movie. It's a really good movie. I love Australian crime. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, another guy we left off our list of incredible Aussies is George Miller. But of course, if you, Jeez, if yeah. you look at, I think George Miller is like in a lot of ways in Baz Luhrmann, like the patron saints of Australian filmmaking because they are, yeah. they're my kind of guys. They're, they're, they're most guys. They're okay. maximalists. And I love oh, yeah. that. Even this film had a maximalism quality. Like with the things we're complaining about is like they, a little too much, a little too much, but give me too much. Give me too much. Please. Yeah. I, I love too I much. Do, do not give me not enough. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that it is interesting, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see where Taika's career goes. Um, you know, I think that I imagine he, he made, the, he made he the most maximalist. coming out this year, so. Yeah, yeah. His, he we'll made the see. most maximalist MCU movie. He took he my, he took my least favorite character and made like my favorite MCU movie more or less. And yep. like, he's just give. Australian should it should only be Australians doing MCU movies now. Yeah, I mean he's I it is, is it just James I do want Australian. Uh, I don't think so. But but to, Malaysian on the, same part on of the, the country, same part of the world. On the Taika Australian, he is he's Australian. I'm right. James Wan is Australian. Right, Australians right. are the best. <laughs> I'm not, I don't have any problems with them. I do think that on the Taika of it all, Moved I just to think Perth it's when he was seven. Right. Yes. I, I think that I, I think that it's fascinating that Taika has become as big as he has. Um, because I do think it's a very specific brand of comedy. It's a very specific brand of visuals. And I think that it's I'm just excited about the fact that, you know, I was excited when the trailer for Ragnarok came out. I was like, great, can't wait to see what this guy has to do with this. Um, and it's just it's I'm just fascinated by and I'm thankful by it does feel like the pool is getting bigger. It feels like we're we're, we're becoming more and more um, excited about different visions and different types of people. Phil, so. you didn't know James Wan was an Australian? Are you? Are we still doing this? Yeah, I didn't. He is. Obviously, you, should, you you you're you're you should really remember that moving forward. Okay, you should, you should be like we're going to imbue. Delia. But James Wan is not is not Justin Lim. Fuck. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great point. It's a great point. I tried to pitch something to James Wan. He didn't do it. It was so upsetting. Oh, Justin Lin, that, I totally forgot. <laughs> um, I, I could see where you were going, and I wanted to oh, try to put a so stop to hilarious. that before, uh, before it went any farther. Um, I do want to talk about the radio contest thing for a second. Um, what I love about it is that as it was transpiring, I was like, wait a fucking second. Is this how he's going to get the fucking 10K? And then the fact that it isn't made me it's really wonderful. Happy. Because I was like, this is so coincidental. Please don't make this the way that he gets the money. And for him to drive him off the road and kill these radio contestant guys. He didn't kill him. But well, the, okay. <laughs> Larry, uh, she's, she's like, we lost Larry. Uh, 
I love. I really. It's great. I love it's great. This film. And, I love that I, little bumper sticker. Like, of course, they yes. went to the car that had the, the one car. too yeah. hot to handle bumper yeah. sticker. It's great. It's great. Oh, I love that um, guy. I, I, yeah. Uh, do you have other thoughts, Kenny? You want to rate this? Do you? Uh, do you yeah, want to? I want. I want to rate it. I've wanted to rate it since <laughs> the moment I saw it. So, Jahan, on this podcast, we rate our films from zero to ninety-nine. Zero being the lowest, ninety-nine being the highest. Okay. Um, and we rate it before and after the podcast to see whether or not it's changed our opinions. Kenny, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I'd love you to go first. Uh, before the podcast, I gave it a 93. After the podcast, I'm sticking with a 93. I, I, uh, wow. I, wow. Think, I think this movie um, is going to have some representation, certainly for this batch of 52 in review. That's, sure, that's sure. our end of the year awards for all the films we did. It mm-hmm. might even show up in the actual uh, end of the whole thing. Um, I... I, I told my dad to watch it last night. I have not done this. Like, I just, it, wow. it's just, I loved it. Like, I've seen so many movies recently that I've hated and have not been able to, like, like um, connect with and engage with. Sure. And I was just bought in with a big fucking smile on my face for most of this film. Really, really loved it. I'm going to watch it again. Like, I, I think it's just a great film. So, uh, and I, and, and, and learned all the right lessons from the American indie cin- cinema boom. And, the British I agree with that. Yeah. indie crime boom and put its own spin on it and had fun and took chances and cohes and and you know obviously found a star in Heath and found a star in Roseburn pulled an old old you know trusty guy who does who doing a, di- a little different something <laughs> than he's been guy. doing an old trusty guy <laughs> uh, little nuances that I loved like I sure. as I've said I love the little nuance that Heath you know kind of had a little hero worship for Pando and mm-hmm. and had that kind of bring him down, but have that not be like the, the crux of the movie, which would have been the crux of a lamer, sillier, more boring film. It just was a great film. with, And also like we, we touched upon it, but like a lovely little love story at the middle, in, in, in yep. the center of it. Like just yep. a lovely little fairy tale about, you know, risking it all. I, so I liked the film. Um, I didn't. I didn't like it as much as you. Um, I came into this podcast at a sixty-five. I was I'm, shocked when you said you liked it but didn't love it. I th- I thought this was an obvious movie that we both would love. But okay, go ahead. But I but but this podcast has certainly bumped that up. I'm now at an eighty. Um, I, I think that this movie is is okay. it's got a lot of really good stuff going on in it. Um, I, you know, listen, I, I I don't know that it all totally comes together tonally for me. I know that some of the things that that bumped me, you were able to see past, which is totally fair. Um, but uh, so I'm at an 80. Where are you, John? Um, I think when I first watched, I was maybe at like a 78, 75, uh-huh. something okay. between okay. that. Okay. It was like fun, but I, you know, there were some little things. And then I think now sure. I might be like 10 points higher, maybe like an 88. Love it. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So can he, for, okay. Well, you that, know what's interesting? Like I've been thinking yeah. about this a lot in terms of licorice pizza. How, uh, okay. how there are a couple of things in licorice pizza mm-hmm. that everyone knows about that sure. if you love the movie, I think you're able to look past. Yeah. And if you're... That's how I feel about it. You love the movie, so you can kind of like... 
I, I, I'm not super into the people who explain them away. Like, I'm not really into people who are explaining away yeah. the Asian thing or explaining away the age difference. But, like, mm-hmm. it's part of the movie. And, like, that's, you know, I can I, I can separate that that was not the best thing, but it had sure. nothing to do with, you know, my... That's how I feel about this movie, is what I'm getting at. Which is, yeah. like, I know that there's some stuff that, like, doesn't work. But, like, mm-hmm. and and I'm not trying to say, like, Actually, it's a representation of his, you know, repressed. It's a mistake. Like the the stuff with his brother is a mistake, but like it doesn't affect my love for the film because what works for me works on an emotional level totally. that triumphs over any other like nitpicks I might have with like mistakes that were made. So, and that's I I I, I truly hear where you're coming from. There are so many movies for me where that's the case, where I'm just like. Yeah, no, that that I could see that bumping you. It, it I just, right. just doesn't bother me. Um, but you know, and again, I I I still this movie is an, an eighty is not a bad number for this film. A, a movie number. that a movie that like I didn't you know really know existed up until you know forty eight hours ago. Um, and I and I do think that um, you know it's just great to see these two actors this, and 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 this to you me. Know, just, you know, this joins the the tradition of Guinevere, Last Night, Girl on the sure. Bridge, a movie I sure. hardly knew about, which will um, will absolutely have a big place in my end of the year wrap up, or end of the podcast wrap up. Like you have the obvious ones that we're thrilled we did, and then you have these ones that, like every year, there are going to be these movies that no one or that 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 just didn't break through for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said with Twin Falls, Idaho, they some of these films just need a champion. And if no, no one's totally. championing a movie like this, it just kind of, you know, goes by the wayside. But my sense is people didn't even know this existed. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. This movie didn't really get much of a theatrical release here. Um, it was released in Australia in July of 99. It comes out here on DVD shortly thereafter. Um, but again, four $4 million budget, it makes almost $6 million. Um, you know, most of that in Australia, but still, you know, it got 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, again, like this wasn't a movie that, that didn't find a little bit of an audience. But to your point, Kenny, there should have been far more. So it's uh, hopefully people will seek it out. You can rent it solely on Amazon right now for reasons that I don't completely understand, but um, you should all do so. It's a really, uh, it's a really great movie. Um, John, where can people find you if Um, they want to follow My My Twitter is my first and last name with an underscore. Mm -hmm. And my Instagram is just my first and last name. (laughs) Uh, it's very basic. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any pieces that you want to plug, um, or anything that's coming up that you want to talk about, or not? It doesn't I mean I'm just. Um, I mean, maybe my jackass ranking. I like that one. Oh, that was a. What's fun your one jackass? For me. I'm curious. What is your jackass? Where is um, oh God, I don't even remember. I think my number one was jackass number two. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So, what did you have, Kenny? Have yeah. you watched all the jack? Have you watched forever yet, or no? No, I've only seen. Oh, the first it's one amazing. Ever. And it's on Paramount it's, Plus now, so you can it's watch just, it. Um, it's a lot. It's amazing. Uh, it's glorious. I don't know. <laughs> if I have if I have the time, I'll watch them. They're they're not quite my thing, but I uh, they weren't mine we'll either. Say. I hate shit like that. Like same, but physical, why do they work? anything? I have no idea. I have I bought the DVD set, <laughs> and like I rewatched it like five times, like yeah. every single one. And it's just I don't know. They make me gag, but like it's so fun. <laughs> like they're, I physically like. 
I feel so sick watching it. Same. And maybe if it was out of the context of this, I would just turn it off. But I don't know. There's something so... Maybe it's like just the group of dudes who are just... I don't know. They just... They're very interesting people. Uh, yes, I, I'd like to keep watching in. them. I think that the um, trailer for mm-hmm. Jackass Forever looked mm-hmm. fantastic. Yep. And my issue with the first Jackass, which is the only one that I've seen, yeah. is most of these stunts are not particularly clever. And <laughs> uh, there's just, it, it's, some of them are fun. Like some yeah. of them, like with the, you know, the crocodiles were fun. And, and uh-huh. there is some like cleverness to that. But most of them are pretty, you know, basic stuff that anybody, you know, can do by stripping down to their underwear. There's stuff in the Jackass Forever trailer, like the guy who has the honey and salmon put on him, and then they release the bear into the room. That's good stuff. It's good shit. I want to see how that one plays out. It plays out that was good. pretty I fantastically. The stunts in the newer one were obviously like less brutal because they're older. They're older. Yeah, they'll yeah. die. But, but also, and, I think it's if these guys can procreate. It is a miracle because the amount of shit they've done to their generals. Oh, it's Johnny, like, Johnny has kids. My, it's I think, crazy. Um, I don't remember who. I think it was. Um, I forgot his name. Dave. Um, I don't even know his name. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Sure. The the one who gets hit in the balls a lot with like yeah. the yeah, yeah, yeah. the baseballs and stuff. Yeah. He said that he had like a kid during the uh, filming. Of, I mean, they literally. The they have a UFC fighter who. Is the has clocked the strongest punch in the world? Punch him in the balls. I, I do want to watch this now. You have, you have convinced <laughs> me. Lo, it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's not interesting. We used to be on Johnny Knoxville's Christmas card list because Laura, really? my wife, is was really close with his wife. Okay, her name is Naomi, and yeah. she used to talk about her boyfriend PJ. I don't know if you know his real name is PJ Clap. Oh, yeah, I and, saw that on and Wikipedia. she found her boyfriend, PJ, and not mention that he was Johnny Knoxville, not uh, mention that he was famous. And, like, she finally saw his picture. She's like, he looks a lot like Johnny you know, Knoxville. <laughs> Johnny Knoxville is just, a, a aside from being a total lunatic, like, one of the handsomest guys. And guy. it's a weird thing that he is so handsome. But yeah. he's just like, he's a handsome guy who looks like Johnny Knoxville. Lo and behold, it's actually Johnny Knoxville. I think they've been married for like 20 years. They have kids. That's incredible. And, yeah. And he's, Laura, Laura loves the wife. Yeah. There's something very charismatic about him. Now, admittedly, that yeah. career never happened, despite the fact that there was an attempt. I mean, the Dukes of Hazard movie and there were, sure. you know, the Ringer and like people tried. But in this, but, but, yeah. yeah, I think he tried to branch out with Bad Grandpa, which right. was like their last one before they came back. And it didn't really, I mean, I think that one's funny. And some people don't think the grandpa bits aren't funny. I like them because maybe I'm just, I find that. The grandpa that bits is, are good. It's Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Like with Gloria, I like those. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep little, going with these. You I think you're going to, I think it's, a, to me, I wanted to, I almost saw it in the theater. I'm glad that I you didn't. You saw, there are five, right, John? Yes, there um, um, yeah. Well, grandpa. there's four plus Brad, Brad, Brad grandpa, yeah. grandpa. And then there's the 3.5. So there's like yeah. eight or nine. And then there's so another there's like, one coming out. How many have you seen? Phil? I've only seen one, two, and forever. forever. So, like, okay. I've only seen three is the like one. second best one. Wait, is that there's a third one? The 3D, 3D one? Right? 
Yeah, oh, that I did one see 3D. I'm sorry, of, I've seen the, I've seen those. That four. one has I've some of the best. Yeah, stunts. great 3D stuff in that. I truthfully, Kenny, I put it on because I was like, I wanted to see it in the theater. I'm glad I didn't because I don't know that I wanted to be trapped in a room with that movie. Like, I think that it's the type of thing that you know, pause, watch it in installments or whatever the case might be. Because obviously, there's no story. Um, just I don't know. I, I I'll say this as well for as a disclaimer. My roommate, Melissa, had never seen Jackass, never seen a lick of it, didn't even really know what it was. I made her watch like the last 15 minutes of Jackass forever. And truly, she was like, I can't watch this. I'm going to vomit. Why would anybody want to subject themselves to this? So there is something very upsetting about them as well. Yeah. I don't know what brought me to watching these, especially as someone who can't even like stomach horror movies. But then like, I just like put on Jackass the movie and I was like, okay, this is like pretty good. And then I watched like every single one of them in like a whole day. And then I went to the theater (laughs) forever. And I was like, okay, these are like really amazing. This is like cinema. They should check out your rankings of the Jackass films. Um, they should follow you on social media. This was a blast, and we thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I had and so we hope much that fun. You'll, we hope you'll come back in the future for something on our Patreon, possibly. Yeah. Or, I'd or love to, yeah. the case might be. But thank you so, so much. This was a blast. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.